Good morning. It's Monday the 13th of November here in London. This is the Bluebeg Daybreak Hewitt podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, talks continue to secure the release of hostages held in Gaza as the death toll on the ground rises. UK house prices dramatically drop as borrowing costs rise and buyers dry up. Plus, Britain's £262 billion trust problem, a special report on a uniquely British investment challenge. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Senior officials in Israel and the United States say talks about securing the release of Hamas-held hostages are intensifying. More than 200 people were forcibly taken to Gaza during the October 7th attack on Israel. Speaking to NBC's Meet the Press, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was asked if a deal to secure their return may be possible. There could be, but I think the less I say about it, the more I'll increase the chances that it materialises. And it's a result of pressure, military pressure. Those comments from the Israeli leader were echoed over the weekend by the White House's National Security Advisor. Jake Sullivan told NBC News that a number of countries are involved in the talks. There are ongoing negotiations involving the Israelis, the Qataris and we, the United States, are actively engaged in this as well because we want to make sure that we bring home those Americans who have been taken hostage as well as all of the other hostages. Jake Sullivan's remarks came as President Biden spoke to the Emir of Qatar about efforts to secure the release of additional hostages. The two leaders also discussed efforts to increase the flow of humanitarian assistance to Gaza. The hostage negotiations come as Israel's military continues its offensive against Hamas in Gaza, engaging in ground battles in a northern refugee camp. The United Nations says that shelling has increased around hospitals there, with several being directly hit. Tom Potokar is the chief surgeon for the International Committee of the Red Cross in Gaza. He described the conditions there. Still relentless, still bombardment every night, one very close... uh, half past one this morning that whistled over the top of the building we're in. Uh, still patients arriving, still inundated with with um, internally displaced people. So not really getting any better. Tom Potokar's account in a video diary comes as the Palestine Red Crescent Society said that Al-Quds Hospital in Gaza City is no longer operational because of a lack of fuel. Israel's military says that Hamas, designated a terror organisation by the US and EU, has a command centre underneath the medical centre, something the group has denied. The Hamas-run health ministry says that more than 11,000 people have now been killed in the fighting in Gaza, including thousands of children. Here in the UK, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is considering a cabinet reshuffle after extremist groups clashed with police on Armistice Day. His Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has been blamed for inciting the far right with her rhetoric against pro-Palestine protests. Defence Secretary Grant Shapps was asked if Braverman would still be in a job next week. As you know, and I know well, um, a week's a long time in politics and I never make predictions about these things. As I say, it's entirely a matter for the Prime Minister. In addition to Shapps' comments, two cabinet members have told Bloomberg that Braverman's challenge to the Prime Minister's authority made her position untenable. Now, the leaders of the world's two superpowers meet this week and Bloomberg estimates an economic partnership worth trillions of dollars is on the line. Joe Biden and Xi Jinping are looking to thaw their frosty relationship as both face political and economic headwinds. US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen hosted China's economic czar last week in preparation for Xi's visit. She says the aim of the talks is to find a healthy economic relationship. 
We do not seek to decouple our economy from China's. This would be damaging to both the U.S. and China and destabilizing for the world. Yellen's comments come after years where economic priorities have taken second place to security concerns. The White House says that its priority for the summit is to restart U.S.-China military communications, which were severed last year in a dispute about Taiwan. Asking prices for homes in the UK saw their biggest fall in the month of November since 2018. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo has more. The property portal Rightmove says the average asking price for a UK home dropped by 1.7%, the biggest discount seen at this time of year in five years. That's slicing an average of £6,000 off price tags, with the biggest falls seen in London and the South East. The number of sales agreed was also down by 10% compared to pre-pandemic levels. Landlords are under pressure too from the highest interest rates in 15 years. Data from Hamptons International shows buy-to-let property deals slumping by more than a quarter this year. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. The people of Iceland are bracing for what could be the most devastating volcanic eruption in 50 years. Authorities say that there's a significant likelihood of magma reaching the surface in the coming days. The town of Grindavik, home to over 3,600 people, risks being wiped out entirely by the blast. Experts say that an explosion spewing volcanic ash cannot be ruled out in the event of an eruption. Now, there was a fascinating read on the Bloomberg Terminal over the weekend about Xi Jinping and his relationship to a group of Iowans. Apparently, when he was quite young, kind of a young official, he spent a couple of weeks on a kind of fact-finding trip to Iowa and created this or or got this kind of bond with local people who took him around to see um, agricultural towns, the Iowa State University and various different kind of businesses to see how agriculture worked there. And he's kept in touch with that same group the whole way along and apparently he's going to see them when he's visiting San Francisco. Yeah, they've been invited to a reception and dinner on the sidelines of the APEC meeting, um, which would be a nice reunion for them as well. There's some great detail in the story about like him sleeping in one of the children's bedrooms that was Star Trek themed uh, at the time. (laughs) This is the mid-80s. So, uh, look, a very interesting aspect of this story is, of course, we're thinking very much about US-China relations in the week of that important meeting. I think it's totally fascinating that, you know, the personal is politics and one of them joked that they still couldn't quite understand the Iowans, that is, why the, this now all-powerful sort of Chinese leader you know, is still so friendly with them, but of course very, very open to the meeting. Yeah, it was a really very um, interesting piece over the weekend. This, as President Biden has been discussing the urgent need to secure the release of Hamas-held hostages in Gaza as Israel's military continues their offensive, including ground battles in Gaza. The US President, as we've been saying, meeting face-to-face with China's Xi Jinping in San Francisco on Wednesday of this week. Joining us now to discuss Bloomberg's EMEA News Director, Rosalind Matheson. Ros, good morning to you. Uh, on the First of all, on the issue of the hostages in Gaza, what do we know about the latest in the attempts at negotiation? Well, as you were saying, we know that the US President Joe Biden spoke with the Emir of Qatar, and Qatar has been a real key uh, player in all of this, a conduit uh, in the conversations around the hostages, uh, not just in this war, but also in other issues in recent times, including the, the war between Russia and Ukraine. And so Qatar is increasingly seeing itself as an intermediary in all of these and able to be seen as a good faith actor on all sides, which is really important in these conversations, but they're extremely delicate 
delicate. So what we know is they seem to be inching forward, but only inching. We're getting a lot of caution from Israel that they're not yet near a deal because it's very difficult for Israel to agree, for example, to hand back some Hamas uh, prisoners uh, to Gaza in, in exchange for the Israeli nationals. Hamas, meanwhile, seems to be okay to maybe release foreign hostages who hold US passports, Australian passports, but less willing to release Israeli nationals. So it's inching forward maybe, but not yet signs of a deal. Meanwhile, the ground war continues. It sees more casualties. There is also more pressure increasing on Israel. Israel says Hamas is using hospitals as command centres. But um, you know the fighting is certainly becoming... What, what do we know about the fighting? Well, we know the fighting's really intense around these hospitals in the north of Gaza. There's several key hospitals in the area. We know a lot of people moved into the hospital grounds to seek shelter uh, when the war broke out. Uh, we know that the international aid agencies say that some of those hospitals have now run out of fuel um, and they're struggling to maintain contact. So certainly a focus of the humanitarian disaster inside Gaza. But also, as you say, Israel says that Hamas uses these hospitals as staging points for their attacks. That's where some of their command centres are. It's where the tunnels fan out. So it's extremely tricky because Israel says, well, these are places we need to attack uh, because Hamas is using them uh, and, and essentially using the people of Gaza there for protection. Uh, international agencies and others and doctors say, well, that's uh, possibly the case. Hamas denies it, of course, but there's also a lot of civilians in the area, so it's extremely tricky. Um, and we can see warnings that the casualties may increase, obviously, as the fighting in those areas does. When we think, taking a step back of the events directly occurring in the Middle East and thinking about the international diplomacy behind all of this as well, we have that meeting between Joe Biden and Xi Jinping happening uh, this week. What is China's place in all of this, its attitude to the events in the Middle East? Well, China's been very cautious about it, not really wanting to get drawn into it. We know from the comments so far, they say that the lives of everybody in this matters, Israelis and Palestinians uh, equally. They've supported the, the calls from Arab nations for a ceasefire, but certainly a sense of not really wanting to get drawn in, frankly, to a fight that they see is not really in their, in their interest. Uh, what will be interesting from the meeting between Joe Biden and, and Xi Jinping is that uh, the US president will no doubt use that to lean on Xi Jinping to use his leverage in turn with Iran and to say, can you please convey messages again to Tehran not to allow this conflict to spiral and extend? Um, you know, the US believes that China has a fair amount of leverage with Iran. It's possibly not as strong as the US might think it is, but certainly you get that message very much from Joe Biden during that meeting this week. The US-China relationship, of course, has been frosty on a kind of bigger um, take. Has Does this show a kind of thawing at all? Well, it's been a really big build-up to this meeting. Um, it's been months and months and months of careful diplomacy, of shuttling back and forth between US and Chinese officials, um, increasing in seniority, meeting each other, pointing towards this meeting. Um, and certainly it's not going to be a magic fix for their relationship, but the main thing is it helps them put a floor under the relationship, so at least prevents it from getting worse, in a way. And they've both got an interest in having this meeting happen. Xi Jinping needs his economy to improve, so he needs the US to take the pressure off. Uh, for the US also, doesn't really need tensions with China being so high at the moment with so many other problems around the world. Um, so it's probably not going to lead to a lot of tangibles, but the fact it's happening in itself is quite notable. Okay, Rosalind Matson, our EMEA News Director, thank you very much for joining us this morning. 
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Now, we turn our attention to matters here in the UK. When interest rates were low, this sector boomed. Now the pressure is piling on the UK's investment trust sector. There could be a reckoning coming um, for it. It's worth £262 billion. The average UK trust is now trading at a 16% discount to asset value. That's the most since the global financial crisis. Joining us now to discuss is Bloomberg's cross-asset markets reporter, Justina Lee. Justina, good morning. I mean, firstly, just six explain, I suppose, exactly what an investment trust is, what makes it different from a mutual fund, an ETF, you know, they're quite, they're quite widely used in the UK. Yeah, exactly. The biggest difference between them and a mutual fund or an ETF is how they raise the cash in the first place. What happens with an investment trust is that when they want to raise money, they actually start by doing an IPO. So they get listed on a stock exchange and then they take money from investors at that step and then they invest in, you know, whatever they're supposed to invest in. And, and the purpose of that is that, you know, when you want to cash out of an investment trust, you actually sell your shares. And so it doesn't actually affect, um, you know, the investments itself. And so the the perk is supposed to be that it lets the investment managers kind of think about everything in the long term because they don't need to worry about the direct effect of redemptions. They're not the ones giving you cash directly when you redeem. Um, but the, the flip side of that is it means that the trust, when it trades in the stock exchange, it can trade at a discount to the net asset value of the underlying holdings of that trust. And that is exactly what we're seeing right now. Justina, why are these trusts so big in the UK? Well, some people would say that it's partly a historical quirk. I mean, the first investment trust in the whole world was actually established in the UK to buy government bonds, and that was back in 1868. Um, But part of it is also... a reflection of the macro environment we've been until recent years. I mean, since the global financial crisis, yields have been at zero. And so, you know, when people were looking for yields, they kind of really wanted something higher. And one kind of benefit of these trusts is that they were able to retain income every year, which means they don't have to pay out all of their dividends. And so because of that, they were able to smooth out the dividend payout. And so there were many trusts who, even in the zero rate years, could give you 
dividend increases year after year. Um, and, and kind of another another benefit was that they could invest in illiquid assets. And so you could get kind of income from kind of quirkier things such as like, you know, student dorms or kind of renewable energy and uh, uh, generation and all that. Mm. So then they're under pressure now. I mean, how how bad is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone knows that now you can, you know, go out and buy even UK government bonds for 5%. And so suddenly a lot of these trusts were are looking a lot less attractive. I mean, one good example is, for instance, like the Hypnosis Trust, which a lot of people might have heard of because they bought a lot of music royalties from, you know, hip, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers or 50 Cent. And that was because they were paying out, um, you know, dividends from the streaming rights. But now, you know, people don't want that anymore when they can just go out and buy really safe government bonds. Um, and another example is, you know, there are a lot of trusts that buy illiquid assets. And now a lot of people are worried about, you know, are they really worth what you tell us they're worth? Because interest rates are going up. And so we're seeing, you know, widening discounts and also even a lot of trust closing, including hypnosis, actually. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.